Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily Pucks podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Teddy Schleifer, in for a little bit for Peter Hamby. It is Thursday, July 21. And today, Dylan Byers is here with big news about the latest promotion at CNN and why you should care about someone named Virginia Mosley. We'll hear about all that and more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash powers that be. netsuite.com slash powers that be. That's netsuite.com slash powers that be. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to the Powers That Be. We are joined today by Dylan Byers, who is usually in Los Angeles, in New York, for a couple of days of revelry, including a a puck party at our new offices in Chelsea. Party might be overstating it, but um, Dylan, thanks for uh, coming up for the merriment. I'm jealous I'm not there. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Dylan, just before you started imbibing some drinks at the party, you broke some big news uh, on Puck.News about sort of Chris Lick's number two, who Mm -hmm. is someone that uh, you and I as former CNN reporters both know a little bit. Tell me about the new number two at CNN. So Virginia Mosley has been in the television news business for 35, 40 years And she is both a veteran of TV news and also a veteran of the D.C. establishment and and sort of the consummate CNN insider, especially in Washington, where she has sort of, despite, I mean, there there are all these titles at all of the bureaus. She, more than anyone, is sort of, in my mind at least, has always been the sort of de facto leader and the one who sort of has the important relationships with the big-name D.C.-based talent. Why she matters to CNN right now is in large part due to Chris Lick's desire to be a different kind of leader than his predecessor, Jeff Zucker. And as we've written sort of ad nauseum, his effort is to lead CNN from a relative distance. He doesn't want to be the hands-on micromanaging, making every tough call as news breaks newsroom leader, he wants to sort of step back and think about things in terms of the big picture, overhauling the morning show, overhauling primetime, coming up with a sort of like broad strokes macro view of what CNN is supposed to be. Is that a good idea for him, seeing as like his entire career he has been 
a very hands-on executive producer, and that is actually what he's good at, and he has no experience being a CEO or a chairman, that's open for debate. Whatever the case, he needs somebody who can step in and at least go some way toward filling those Jeff Zucker shoes in the eyes of the talent, of the staff. And Virginia Mosley is a very obvious choice. She, in fact, her name was even floated as a potential successor to Jeff Zucker at one point. She is seen as a very smart, capable insider at CNN. And so the reason that putting her in this position is important is because you've got a newsroom that ever since Jeff Zucker's ouster, and certainly still in the first three months of Chris Lick's tenure, have been sort of casting about for some sense of what are we supposed to be doing? Who are we supposed to be listening to? Am I doing a good job? Am I doing a bad job? What is the new mission beyond just sort of tone down the polarizing rhetoric and just get back to the work of capital J journalism? People need to to know on a day-to-day basis what they're supposed to do, what that looks like, and and whether or not they're doing a good job. And she is stepping in to fill that role. And 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 that, more than anything, is why her announcement is significant. And Moreover, it's sort of in line with Chris Lick's larger mission for the network, which is heavy on politics. Yep. She, I would say, is more a member of the Democratic establishment than the Republican establishment, but she's she's centrist enough. But really, it, it's a question about bringing some stability to what has been a sort of adrift news organization right. since everything went down with Jeff Zucker. Were you surprised by this choice? Because if you think that Chris Lick wanted to change things from the way that things were run in the past under Zucker, you would read today's news and think that elevating, you know, someone who was already a senior executive into a more senior executive role, is that really make Chris Lick the change candidate here? Or maybe the change narrative has been overstated, right? And it's just, you know, he, he's going to make some high level kind of high profile changes. But everything you've reported makes me think that he is seriously interested in a departure from the Zucker era. And is promoting Virginia Mosley really change? Well, the fun thing about CNN being a global 24-hour news organization that staffs about 4,500 people is that it is not a, a speedboat. It is an oil tanker, or it is, or perhaps more aptly, it is like the Titanic. And so whatever your ambitions as the new captain might be, it turns out that the day-to-day mundane practicalities of the job have a way of imposing themselves and sort of steering the ship for you. Whatever Chris Lick's ambitions might be, it just so happens that like you've got 4,500 people running around who all need answers to questions every single day and you need to keep the product going 18, if not 24 hours a day around the world. And so you actually do need those insiders. You do need those people with that know-how to sort of step up and help you, whether you have grand ambitions for big change or whether you just actually just want to make little changes. And part of the problem with the way that this leadership change happened is that a lot of the institutional knowledge went out the door before Chris Licht even started on the job. It wasn't just that you had Jeff Zucker leaving and, and in a alternate reality the best way to have done this would have actually had to been have like Jeff Zucker like training Chris Licht for a year. You had Andrew Morse leave, who in addition to all of his digital and CNN Plus responsibilities had a lot of oversight over things like news gathering. And you're taking over this organization where there are people who kind of know 
how to make the trains run on time, but no one really knows how to be a leader. Virginia is actually the one person who has demonstrated the capacity and I think the ambition to really step up and be a leader. And so I find it actually to be a a completely logical choice. I was not surprised by it at all. I was especially not surprised by it because this is something that has been sort of been discussed around the newsroom, newsrooms in both DC and New York for several months. It's only now that it's becoming something that is going to be official and and that we're ready to report on. What is more surprising to me and what will always be surprising to me is Chris Lick's desire to not just do it the way Jeff Zucker did it and to be more hands-on and to be more of a micromanager. And again, going back to this Titanic analogy, I actually do think that the time will come and we'll see if maybe Virginia Mosley can can do this for him. It's highly likely that the demands of cable news being what they are, are going to force Chris Licht to become more hands-on and to become more of a micromanager and more of a newsroom leader. Right. You've written that there's, you know, this is a, a plan that, you know, Donald Trump could rudely interrupt any minute now, any month now. It's easy to be hands-off when, you know, as you write this week, it's the summer and nothing's happening anyway. Yeah. As I mentioned in, in this most recent piece, everything feels very slow right now for the entire media industry. But we are heading into what is going to be a very intense fall with the midterms. You're going to see CNN and MSNBC better articulate what their sort of vision is or what their sort of editorial strategy and editorial aesthetic is with new hosts at 9 p.m. You're going to see the launch of Semaphore, the much-discussed news media company. We're going to sort of see the next iteration of what American media looks like really sort of put its best foot forward in the fall. And then the real test is going to be the 2024 election, which of course is not limited to one year, but is rather a two-year process that begins the the very moment. I was going to say the moment after the midterms end, but in fact, as you've reported uh, this week in a piece I really enjoyed, it actually starts well before that. The the candidates are already out there raising money, courting donors. Things feel slow now, but they're about to get very intense very fast. And I do think over the course of that presidential cycle, whatever Chris Lick's desire to be that sort of like hands-off CEO chairman, I I think we're going to see him coming back to doing what he knows how to do best. And I say this as a compliment, which is executive producing. And I think there are a lot of people in the CNN newsroom who are looking forward to that. And until that happens, are happy that someone uh, in Virginia Mosley is going to be a leader and they, they do know who they're reporting to. Dylan, let's take a quick break. We'll be back in a sec with a few more remainders. Hey, Powers That Be listeners. I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated list of gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. I use Etsy all the time and have for years. I bought my brother some artwork. I bought my wife some jewelry. I even bought a rug 
for our living room on Etsy. I love it. But there's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for friends and family members around the holidays or birthdays in my life. And sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with gift mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for a buddy who's just as into Cincinnati sports as I am, a hot cup of Joe, Joe Burrow mug. That's right, I found that on Etsy, it's amazing. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic, try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Are you tired of sleeping hotter than hell? I sure am, I sleep hot. There's something crucial about sleep that eludes us when we're too warm, too uncomfortable, and too caught in the web of our own thoughts to drift off. And while curiosity fuels our days, science tells us that cool sleep recharges our nights. That's where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Meet the bed cooling system that elevates the quality of human life through cool sleep. The Chili Pad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. I love it. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Chili Pad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees, allowing your body to rest and recover. This isn't just about escaping the heat, it's also about optimizing your sleep for better health, more energy, and improved physical and cognitive performance, which I obviously need hosting a podcast. Chili pads are designed for one or two sleepers, so if your sleep partner likes to sleep at a different temperature, or you only need it for one side of the bed, that's okay too, and we know that's crucial. Plus, you can schedule automated temperature changes to trigger deep sleep. But when I'm at home, Chili Pad solves those problems. So trust me on this one. Visit sleep.me slash powers to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code powers. This offer is available exclusively for Powers That Be listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleep.me slash powers because you're not just investing in better sleep, you're creating a better life. We're back here with Dylan Byers for couple of final thoughts about the other decisions that are going to have to be made and just in cable writ large. He said, Dylan, that this, this summer is a turning point, you know, a uh, calm before the storm, that there's new, the next iteration of news is going to come fast and furious in the fall. You've been writing a lot about, you know, the, the personnel and who's going to get the key spots. We have Alex Wagner, MSNBC, taking the 9 p.m., slot, which is, you know, probably the most prized time in cable. Licht has not made any decision yet on who he's going to place against the Alex Wagners. And the question is basically, what's CNN going to do at 9 p.m.? I think there are two priorities for Chris Licht from a programming perspective. One is overhauling the morning show, which is really significant to him because he is, aside from his stint in late night comedy, is a morning show producer. Morning Joe and then CBS this morning. So I think that actually, as much as 9 p.m. matters, I think that's sort of like front and center in his mind. And then secondly, is this 9 p.m. question. You've got 
basically open landscape. Over at Fox News, you've got the Tucker Carlson at eight and Sean Hannity at nine, and that is its own thing. But outside of that, historically, for both CNN and MSNBC, 9 p.m. has been where you put the person who is effectively the face of your network. And so MSNBC, because Rachel Maddow has been paid $30 million to just host a show on Mondays and then do a bunch of other projects, MSNBC has sort of been forced to play its hand with Alex Wagner, who is somebody who is uh, talented and and good on television and and very much liked among her her colleagues and other people in the industry, but is not going to be a massive ratings driver who comes anywhere close to matching what Rachel Maddow was able to do for the network. So Chris Licht is now looking at a landscape where he's got a really good idea of what the competition is doing. It doesn't make his life any easier in terms of identifying the talent who is going to be the face of primetime for him. And and I think that that is a really hard question. Now, you can argue, given the changes that are happening in the industry and the move to streaming and the decline in ratings for cable television, that maybe who you have at 9 p.m. doesn't matter. And and Chris Licht himself has said, I'm not worried about the ratings. David Zaslav has said, we're not worried about the ratings. Uh, fine. All good. People always say that when they get these jobs. And to a certain extent, it's true. You don't have to win the ratings to have a lucrative business in cable. All of that said, you have to have something that moves the needle, that makes the brand relevant to viewers, and that sort of sustains the brand over a period of time. Who Chris Lick decides is going to do that for him in prime time is absolutely anyone's guess. And I have no idea. And I don't even know if it'll be one person or if he'll try and bring back some sort of panel mm. show or what he's going to do there. I think the conventional wisdom about the state of cable news in a post-Maddow landscape is that there's not really a deep bench of great talent and there aren't a lot of great options for what to do there. You got to choose someone who is going to get absolutely destroyed by Tucker and this person will become a celeb on, on Red State and on a conservative right-wing websites. It's a thankless task. Who doesn't want that job? No, I mean, that's why, you know... That's why you got to, the money needs to be good. Yeah, that's what the money's for. <laughs> All right, Dylan, we got to bounce. Thanks so much for dropping Okay, by. thank you, Teddy. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Peter Hamby. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, and Chris Corcoran, chief content officer and founding partner of Cadence 13. 